Good evening, YouTube. Guess what? It is our favorite day of the week. It is Thursday night, and we are here for Ray. Ray? <laughs> Thirsty, yeah. thir Thirsty Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. <laughs> now listen. Now listen. Matt will be joining us. Matt is uh, mm -hmm. somewhere between his office and his house. He'll be there soon mm -hmm. enough, but Ray, that doesn't mean that we can't get started here with our extra special Thirsty Thursday guest. Uh, somebody that we, I was, I was thinking about this a little bit, Ray. We probably know more about this guest than we have, you know, the preceding, I don't know, whatever, 20 or 30 that we've had on uh, other than our mm -hmm. first few episodes. We, we, we've gotten to know this gentleman a little bit uh, leading up to this, and he's going through a process right now. You know, not uh, nothing that requires surgery, of course, you know, nothing like that. But, uh, you know, something that uh, I think a lot of people are going through. And so I'm interested for us to sit down and talk with this gentleman tonight. I'd like to introduce our guest this evening, the Lawn Warrior. Joe, how Come are on, you? Hello, everyone. I'm doing good. A fair Look at that shirt. Off like a, I know. Look at that. You got it. Yeah. We start this off it. like a like a sports radio show. First time caller, uh, long time listener. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys watch sports radio talk or listen to it, but yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, so the, here's the thing is that, uh, you know, there's a lot to unpack tonight. I think from this, yeah. there's a lot of good, a lot of good messages. I hope that will come out of it and nothing. Here's the one thing I want to preface this by is that, you know, you've put some content out that's been a little edgy, a little edgy and <laughs> listen, of late maybe <laughs> we have late of late, but you know, here's the thing is that you're in company of, uh, people like Ray and Matt and myself that you know, we don't mind being a little edgy when we need to be. And sometimes, uh, you know, people confuse edginess with, uh, you know, I wouldn't say being rude or disrespectful, but, you know, just telling it like it is, right? Ray, you like to tell it like it is, right? You have no problem yeah. doing that. Yeah, I that's mean, how, I, that, that's, that's, how, that's how we do it where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> That's uh, that's good because then well, you see, then everything I have to say and the way I think is all going to be totally familiar to you because I just tell it like it is. I would you know, love, no more, no less. I would love to see Ray in his cowboy boots and his Wranglers walking down the street in Jersey. I would, I would pay good money. So Ray, whenever you get back to the, whenever you get back here to the continental United States. We're gonna take you to Jersey and see if you like that brand of uh, of the Conus. Atlantic City. Okay. Well, wow. here, here's here's <laughs> the thing is I don't know because I've already figured out that I am neither a West Coast person nor an East Coast person. I'm not. <laughs> at least, you, at I mean, least you're starting to figure it out and narrow it down, and that's the most important yeah. part. And no, I, I've already, I've already kind of, kind of, uh, you know, decided because the thing is, is that both the East Coast and the West Coast, in various ways, reminds me a lot of Hawaii. And uh, yeah, I can see that. Why would, and and why would I want to go uh, somewhere where I'm trying to get the hell out of? <laughs> okay. Well, and that's a great segue. How, 
Say that line <laughs> again for me, just to make sure I heard that right. Why would I want to go someplace that I'm trying to get the hell out of? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Lawn Warrior can relate to that, right? Uh, <laughs> with some uh, that he's done and some of the uh, the messages he's had here. Yes, <laughs> so, you know, yes, I, I, get, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. So you know, as we get started here, I guess just kind of give us the backstory. You know, who are you? Where are you? you know, you don't have to be like you know street number and house number and all that kind of stuff. But who are you? Where are you from? What are you all about? Where I see myself and, in five years. Yeah, yeah. Strengths, weaknesses. <laughs> I mean, you don't. You don't have the job yet. I just want to let you know you don't yeah. have the job okay. yet. So right. we'll, okay. we'll 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 see how it goes at the end. We'll call you, you know, when we want to. But go ahead. How did you get here in front of us? All right, yeah. So I'm Joe DeLomware. Uh I started my channel probably almost about a year ago. It's been. Um, I guess my journey begins when I was about 13 years old. Uh, growing up, my dad had a lawn business uh, right here in Jersey. Uh, he worked two jobs. Um, he worked. He had the lawn business during the day, during the summertime, and then. Uh, at nighttime, he worked at the post office. Um, my mom, she's actually an accountant. I'm an accountant as well. Uh, she has uh, MS, so he worked two jobs. So when I was about 13 years old, or as, as young as I can remember, uh, I picked up a handheld blower, and I've, I've been using it ever since. Um, and then once I got older, I picked up the Wee Whacker, and then I just started working with him after school. Um, so my experience when I was younger comes from more lawn cutting wise and not actually doing fertilization, you know, working in the, the grass, it's mostly from lawn cutting. Um, and so I pretty much worked with him all the way through high school, all the way up to, uh, through college. Uh, I went to community college and then once I went, graduated community college, I went to a four year college, um, and I commuted to, to uh, Rowan university. If anyone's familiar with, uh, Jersey, your Rowan's a big South Jersey school. Uh, a lot of North Jersey kids go down to Rowan in South Jersey area in Glassboro. And um, I worked with them all the way through college. And, and then once I graduated college and went into my career field of accounting, um, I didn't really do much after that until I met my wife now. And we've lived in this house now for, uh, we will we'll be five years in February. We've purchased the house. We didn't actually move in until August uh, because the house was a, I should show it was a foreclosure. It was really bad. Um, and honestly, one of the last things that I really did to this house was the yard was to do the outside. Um, I did send, I think Jay Pink, a couple pictures of the house, what it looked like at, when we first bought it. And when we, when we have it now, it's completely different. But um, uh Again, going back into the lawn care journey. Again, I started probably I started my channel about a year ago. Uh, just you know, found the, the other YouTubers out there, uh, watching a lot of content. You know, uh, Lawn Whisper was one of the big ones I used to watch in the beginning. LCN, of course, I think everyone's watched a little bit of it, of his uh, you know his stuff. Um, you know, a GCI turf, Pete. Um, there, yeah, there's the pictures right there. That's what it looked like when we first bought it. It was really bad um but uh at the time when i first obviously we first got the house um i still had one of my dad's mowers that was a 36 inch x mark uh that's one of the mowers that he, actually the mower that i had that i sold um actually sold it to a 911 first responder never forget um he really was happy to get it 
one of, like I said, it was the first mower that I ever grew up on and I learned to uh, cut grass on. Um, now I'm, I have a Toro Super Recycler. Um, again, a lot, of, a lot of watching a lot of content there and seeing a lot of people have Toro lawnmowers. So I figured I'd get rid of my 36 inch mower because I wanted something a little bit nicer on my new turf that I planted. Um, so again, last year I started my channel around November and I did a fall overseed last year with Pete's GCI. Uh, tall fescue blend um it came in really great initially um and then of course this year i had some troubles and things like that um yeah this picture actually that picture right there was from last uh i believe from last november um i think it was november that picture might be from the spring there but the other picture yeah i was gonna uh, say you titled uh, these as april april okay so that's probably yeah. april of this year but that's the GCI there in April. But as you can see, the difference in the house outside as, you know, as opposed to when we first bought it. Uh, yeah, it was a shit show. Um, but yeah, that's my lawn care journey so far. You know, I've been doing this for two years now with the new, with newer grass, new, new, newly planted grass seed. Um, and, you know, so far this is what I have, you know, and I enjoy it for me. It's more of a hobby, um, more than anything. Um, when I initially got into YouTube, like I think a lot of people do, they get into YouTube because, you know, they, they think there's a lot of money involved or, you know, you get, you know, the affiliate links from people and you put them in, you know, put them in your video description. You think you're going to make a ton of money. Um, and I got caught in that trap uh, early on, and I'll be honest. And um, but now I've seen Me a too. little bit of the green green light. And honestly, I kind of just want to make this more of a vlog going forward and just want to document my journey, show you guys what I'm doing in my lawn. Um, if there, if I, a company sends me a product, I'll do a review. It's great. I don't mind, but I'm always honest in my reviews. I don't expect you to buy what I'm reviewing at the end of the day. Um, because again, it's your hard earned money. That's your, that's, you know, purchasing these products. You know, it's not my money. It's your money that you you're using to buy products. So I want to give everybody an honest opinion. But again, that's why next year, I've harped on this at the end of my season this year, that I really want to change my channel going to next year, make it more of like a vlog, kind of like kind of how, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Connor uh, uh, does. Um, you know, his is more of a vlog style, um, you know, than anything. And I, that's kind of how I want to do it. I just want to document my journey. Because at the end of the day, this is more of a, a hobby for me than anything. That's one hell of a story. I know. I kind of came in on the end of it, <laughs> but it's still a great story. One second. Let me say goodnight yeah. to my son. Okay. All right. I had, I had kind of a long day, so I haven't, I haven't seen them and they, they get a little needy when I'm gone for a long period of time. Uh, man, I'll, t I'll tell you, and I, I don't want to bust your balls over this at all. Um, it's you know the the YouTube thing is easy to get sucked up into. I'm guilty oh, of yeah. it. Everybody who's done it is is guilty of it, you know. And you know it's yeah. funny. I kind of uh, I go back to um, I'd say one of my big inspirations for getting out of the YouTube trap was uh, AVE, right? And have, have you ever watched AVE? No, uh, you have to. Get, tell me what that is yeah. <laughs> yeah all right so it stands for arduino versus everyone and um and he is i mean just like 
crude as hell, uh, Canadian as hell, like redneck Canadian, and just embraces it to no end. But he's just an incredibly bright guy. I mean, it, it, un- huh. unbelievably bright. But he talks about how, you know, you get in, you get into this this thing with YouTube, you know, and and it's, you know, where you're in YouTube Studio, you're constantly refreshing, you're w- watching, you know, what the subscribers are, you're you're you know replying yep. to all the comments. And it becomes it becomes kind of this weird relationship, and and it takes away from whatever initially, whatever the initial joy of it was, right? Because it, it the, the initial joy of it isn't isn't the interaction because you don't have the interaction there, right? It's actually going out, filming something you're doing, learning to use a camera, learning to edit a video, and and that that part is you know you you fall in love with that right it, at least for me that oh, was yeah. that was the part yeah. that I thought was just so cool right I'm learning something new yep. it's it's in the digital space and digital's cool right and I was like yep. oh you know that's so great and then and then of course you, you know you you do it and then you get sucked into you know uh you know how it is it's just you you get, yeah. you get sucked yeah. into it so you do um, and it and it's so quick too you know you just it's 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 addicting you know and uh. Honestly, I'll, I'll remember like some of the really early videos that I did and looking back at it now, you laugh about, you know, how bad quality they were and, and you know, yeah. like just different things like that. But yeah, and, and once you get involved and you have some of those prominent, prominent uh, YouTubers, you know, start commenting on your content, you know, you're like, oh, you know, you're, you, you get all like giddy and you want more and then. You know, then you get those affiliate links and you put them in your description and, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to make a ton of money on it. And then in reality, you're, you don't, you know, and then it's a little discouraging at times. And and then, you know, you find out more and more and more. And, you know, I got into the discord with with you guys and, you know, learning more stuff about the community. So sorry. Um, and um, no, no, it was, it's, it's all sorry. good. It's all good. You guys helped me a lot. I uh, realized a lot of things and, um, you know, helped me you know, change the, my approach to a lot of things. And, um, but I don't want the whole thing. I don't want all tonight to be about YouTube, honestly. Um, oh, hell no. I just wanted, you know, I want to just, you know, put it out there kind of like my journey with the YouTube, you know, I almost call it like a program, you know, it's kind of like almost like a, you get programmed to, you know, do certain thing on YouTube early on. And, and, and I see a lot of new YouTubers out there. And again, I want to get off the YouTube spiel, but, I see it a lot and I just want to get my message out to other people as well. And I see these newer YouTubers that are coming out there, especially in the lawn care industry. And my, my word of advice, if you take it fine, if not, I don't really care, but at the end of the day, just do you do your thing and, and just do what you like. You know, don't, don't think you have to do what other people do at the end of the day, just do what you love if 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 you want if you want those affiliate links it's fine but at the end of the day it's it is it, do what you love to do i mean just like you guys are in your career right now you guys all love turf management and you know you love doing this this channel and you guys love doing this because you love you love it you know it's you're not i i, I don't think you guys are all doing it for the money you know i think you guys generally love to just do what you do you know at the end of the day yeah, we're, yeah, we're like shout, yeah, like, really big on this, though. I want yeah, to make yeah. that. Uh, hey, hey, like, hey, I just want to, hey, guys, I, I got to stop you here. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Sean Smith in the chat. Yes, yeah, since we're talking about YouTube. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> Never mind. Uh, so to to date, to date, uh, all the money we have made doing this, we poured into the uh, into the live show, uh, which okay. was in- incredibly expensive. Um, and I don't think we've paid back J Pink entirely for that, but we will. Damn it, we're on tab, and uh, and J Pink's got great credit. So uh, thank you, J Pink, for for that. <laughs> so. One True day story. we will get rich doing this. I'm telling you, Joe, it's just around the corner. That's what I keep telling my wife. Um, so I, in, uh, I'm sorry to even in, even bring up the YouTube thing, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about, it. and it's just as much a part of your journey as it is a part of mine too. You know, so um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not yeah. I'm not ashamed to admit it either. It is what it is, and everybody goes through a phase, and uh, you know, you 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 want to be perceived as on as one of the good guys and on the good team and all that fun stuff and then and then the real world catches up and it's an it's an odd thing and uh, you know the discord definitely is a place where if you want someone to co-sign your bullshit you will not find that very easily in the discord um it's a nope. place to go for uh shattered dreams and uh all the all the other stuff that goes on there all the debauchery and <laughs> But it's it's a lot of cult like it is camaraderie. How about that? Very very much was so. The, very much so. Yeah, was a whole lot of tell it like it is. <laughs> yeah, a and lot of kind of like what I commiserating. Mm-hmm. Kind of like yeah. what I said. Where I'm from, we tell it like it's it. We tell it like it is. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but I also think I I think you know one thing about that though is when the camaraderie piece is this uh, in. Matt Ray could tell you it's the same way at the pro level is the people that really, truly want to get better. Number one, know that it's never going to be finished. It's never going to be perfect. And they accept that, but they also Mm -hmm. chase it endlessly. And I think the, the folks that, Hey, just tell me what to do and I'll do it and take all the nuance and all the challenge and all the art and the science and everything out of it. uh, Those just aren't our people. (laughs) I mean, they aren't in the pro space. They're not anywhere else uh, because there is no formula, right? There is no magic product. There's not the one thing that you can do to slay your lawn. Like none of that shit. Mm-hmm. It's it's all a myth. It is. It's a myth. And so I, I just think it's always funny to watch people go through the the journey, right? Of however it takes them to get there, right? So whether it's you know a young kid working on a golf course, it's you know you buying your first house and getting, you know, getting your first lawn or whatever the case might be, right? There's so many different people in, in between there. The people yeah. that truly do this and love it, right? At whatever level that is, you know, whether it's their own house and they're not getting paid for it all the way up to, you know, the guy at Augusta National or something like that. It's the same pathway, right? It's just the scale, the stakes, the scope of it all just ramps up exponentially as you go higher and higher with those expectations but it's the same journey right so i would just say that is you know that's that's a good kind of separator i guess as we've gone through this and learned about different people is the people that want the formula that want the playbook that want the yeah like you got to get past that you got to get past that that mindset and ascend so 
Anyhow. Speaking of the formula in the playbook, did anybody catch uh, the latest email from um, what's his nuts? Uh, Michael Woods, uh, Asian Turf that. Grass Center. Uh, so it was interesting. He he uh, put out a little update about MLSN and was talking about what the MLSN most importantly is not and talks about inaccurate implementation of MLSN, which I thought was pretty interesting um, because, again, doubling down very aggressively on the MLSN. Are you familiar with the MLSN, Joe? No, I'm not. All right, so the MLSN was is it stands for it's an acronym for uh, the minimum levels of sustainable nutrition, and it was developed through a series of thousands and thousands of surveys from uh, turfgrass managers across across the nation or globally. I can't recall globally, Matt. Globally, the world, yeah, the world, global. And and so the the idea was they could take these data sets and establish what the minimum of each nutrient should be to justify a response from a fertilizer application, right? And uh, and so you know it's kind of uh, taking it one step further of the law of minimums or Liebig's barrel or something like that, right? Of of actually quantifying what those are, and so it developed soil test levels that are. Um, a, a critical thresholds, right? That if you fall beneath that, you are potentially running into to major issues with your turf grass. Or another way to look at it, in particular, that he kind of uh, uh, dove deeper into in this in this uh, blog update was um, where you are most likely to see a response from your fertilizer application. And uh, and what he was talking about was uh, not just if you were at MLSN levels, stop applying fertilizer. But if it was, if you were at MLSN levels, then you should be adding fertilizer to what you're doing, right? So, um, you know, I think a lot of the, and the whole reason I, I bring this up, you talk about the playbook, the, it, kind of the evolution of the industry over the last 10 years, I feel like um, in, in, in order to... Uh, comply with external pressure, uh, environmental pressure, um, uh, evolutionary pressure that, that we kind of operate in, in the industries, it's become important that we become more, more targeted, more data driven with each input we make into a property, whether that be a pesticide or a fertilizer and MLSN from a fertility perspective, is is kind of that, that next iteration, that, that next, uh, evolutionary kind of development. Of of being environmentally focused, using a data backed um, uh, decision making process for whether or not to apply fertilizer, and you know it's it's interesting. And as we kind of look through um, the information you've s- submitted us today, you know we can take a look at that from an MLSN perspective and help uh, critique what you have coming up in the program you put together. Uh, kudos to you for putting together that program. Take a look at it. Look nice. Um, and, uh, and then we can make adjustments based on what the MLSN tells us, because we know the MLSN tells us whether or not, not directly whether or not we need to apply uh, a fertilizer, but, uh, more so whether or not we're going to get a, a, an impact from applying that fertilizer. And so based on what you chose, 
um, you know, we can we can determine whether or not that's actually a good fit for for what you have uh, what you have planned there. So, how about them apples? Can we move on to that piece of it? Does that work? That sounds good. So here we are, uh, looking at what you did last year versus what you are planning for next year. Um, yeah. So yeah, and, I, and I'm gonna. Oh, great! You have it broken out into NP and K right next to it. Um, yeah, so okay, like so I was saying you, before the show, I'm you know I'm an accountant, so I got I have everything in Excel, nice and neat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh, look at that! Yeah, this is this is perfect. So just to, so just to give you guys an idea, so the top here, uh, so this is one of the things I want to do better next year is definitely document things better. Um, you know, you know, not maybe you know exact date that I throw things down, I think is going to be helpful, but, you know, just not guessing what I did was, is I went back to a lot of my videos to come up with the top here, um, just to get an idea of when I threw certain things down. Um, and again, that's one of the things I want to do better next year is definitely document better when exactly I'm throwing things down, you know, soil temperature, air temperature, the whole nine yards, just to get an idea exactly, you know, the atmosphere, the, the environment, what's going on. So again, the top here um, is, I think it's pretty close to exactly when I was throwing certain things down. Um, uh, like for instance, you could see there malorganite sometime in June. That's like one of the areas mm -hmm. I wish that I want to work on better. You know, I want to know exactly how much of that malorganite that I threw down. Like I, I didn't really weigh it out. I had a shit ton of it in the shed and I kind of wanted to get rid of it. Um, I didn't want to buy anything. Um, and then obviously the, the hottest trend this past summer was freedom fertilizer. Um, so I threw that down, you know, slowly after quickly after the malorganite. And then after that, after I threw down the freedom for everything pretty much just went downhill from there. Um, I don't throw down herbicides in my lawn. Um, that's one of the big controversial topics on my channel, just because my wife, she doesn't like that kind of stuff. Uh, she doesn't like herbicides, Roundup, anything like that in our yard. So I kind of, I, I want to appease her by not doing that, you know, um, and just strictly trying to stick to, you know, different fertilizers if I can. Um, and so that's why my program's pretty much this granular right here. There is some stuff that I didn't submit there. I did throw down a bunch of liquids as well. Um, a lot of G, uh, GCF products as well. Um, some hydrotine I threw down over the course of the year. Um, but like I was saying, after pretty much, you know, July 1st, everything went downhill from there until I went to do my overseed over Labor Day weekend, which is the 9-4 right there. Um, and that's when I, did, you know, threw down my seed and my starter for. And now I got everything, you know, pretty much back to what I had it at the end of last year. You know, a, a nice green lawn, pretty thick lawn um, overall. Um, again, my fall overseed this year. So just you guys know, I'm from Jersey. So we have a big uh, sod farm. So this is a little bit of a plug for them. But I really do like supporting local companies if I can. Um, and that's why I went to uh, Tuckahoe Turf Farms, if you guys are familiar with them. They're a really big sod farm. They're located in um, Hamilton, New Jersey. So they're about 30 minutes from me, and they're like 30 minutes. But they're like in between me and Philly, kind of. Um, so 30 minutes from me is them, and then 30 minutes from them to the shores like Atlantic City. So they're pretty much like in the middle of our state, kind of. Um, 
if and if the people that are from Jersey, they'll be familiar with Hamilton. It's known as the blueberry capital of the world. Um, it's one of the biggest blueberry distributors in the in the country. Um, I used to work in Hamilton a little bit as well. But anyway, I went to Tuckahoe Turf Farms this year. I actually got a, t- a tour of their facility. It's it's awesome. Over 800 acres of sod. They have Bermuda there. They have uh, KBG. They have Tall Fescue. Um, their big seed distributor is Mountain View Seed. So I went with their Mountain View Seed blend this year. It was a 90-10 blend. Uh, 90% tall fescue and 10% KPG. So that's what I threw down this year for my seed. And I was talking about this with Bray a little bit before the show that we were talking, it was funny, Matt, we were talking about uh, centipede grass. And um, my parents, they moved, They my parents moved to South Carolina about, probably about almost two years now. Um, so they actually have centipede grass in their yard. And um, we were oh, saying- Lord have mercy. How they- <laughs> we were saying how grass, uh, yeah. th- that's the centipede, the centipede grass, you know, it doesn't really need much done to it. Um, you know, my dad, he still, cuts, he still has a, say that, go ahead, Ray. Doesn't want anything done to it. And the more you touch it, the more you screw around with it, the worse it gets. In other words, a yard mastery style program on centipede would probably make that lawn go belly up in one year because you're putting too much shit on it and probably the wrong things. I don't think my dad, I don't think he's doing much to the yard these days. He's retired working two jobs for 30 years that he wrote other than cutting the grass and they have their (laughs) garden in the back. He's, he's good. I mean, he doesn't want to do too much to that grass right now, but, uh, but yeah, we're going back to the grass seed. Uh, you know, down there, it's very like a lime greenish color almost. I would say the centipede. It's not like a dark green color. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then with the mountain, we were saying before the show that you know the Mountain View seed, and I definitely noticed it this year throwing that down. It came in like pretty dark right from the beginning, um, mm-hmm. which I was really surprised. And um, and it's stuck. It's been green and even to 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 the, uh, today. Um, and I'm just starting to notice it check out for the year. It's starting to, you know, finally check out, uh, you know, we're starting to get pretty cold here at night. Um, we've, of course you have those warm spells sometimes here, especially in Jersey. Um, sometimes in November it can get pretty warm. Um, and even in December. Um, but for right now it's starting to go back to being pretty cold again. But, um, Yes, that's that's a little bit about my overseed that I did this year. Um, I definitely love that Mountain View seed. It's super nice. And and again, if I said to myself that if a sod farm in Jersey can grow really nice grass and they they distribute it, they do a lot of professional you know teams throughout the Northeast. If they can grow that seed there and it be look as look as nice as they can, I rather try and do something a little bit more local to me. Um, that I hopefully that's going to do a lot better too. Yeah, I mean, sure. I have nothing negative to say about Mountain View seeds at all. Um, you know, that's of of all the seed producers I've used, which not a ton. I have not, you know, my career in a cool season market is, you know, limited to four years, right? So I haven't tried a thousand different seed growers and a thousand different varieties. You know, I've probably used in four years and <laughs> where I got to use a, a few different varieties was uh, doing a lot of the uh, stormwater remediation projects 
um, I got to experiment a little bit there because, you know, you're dealing with such intense water flow and stuff and uh, steep angles of slopes. And, but, you know, Mount, Mountain View was at least my favorite of the ones I tried, which is relatively limited. I want to make that clear. Um, so with that, uh, uh, Jay Pink, can you pull up his plans again? And I want to make a note of his total N, P, and K real quick. Um, Okay, and uh, and then 1.1 of this. All right. Okay, now can we look up his soil test, J-Pink? Mm-hmm. All right, this is from Logan Labs, and here we yep. go. We're going to take, take a look at these, at these here. And, just you know, was, just a little, a, back, little backstory on the soil test. So um, yes. I, to- I took the soil test probably... I think it was sometime in October. So it was it, so obviously I had FERC down from, you know, the, the starter fertilizer. I we think I might have threw down a I threw it <laughs> yeah, I threw it I threw down a think a a half a pound of N of the flagship at the time. Um okay. I did pull pretty big cores. Uh, you know, like I did I went pretty deep uh for the when I pulled them out, but I, I have a feeling that this is gonna that my soil test reflects that as well. So my goal next year is obviously going into the spring before I throw anything down. I definitely want to get another soil test, you know, done just to see where I'm at for a starting point as well. So just to take that into light when you guys are looking at that, at this soil test here. Yeah. And that was when I was looking at this earlier today and I saw your phosphorus levels at, you know, 400 and, or, you know, what is that? 490 parts per million of, of, of phosphorus. I was like, my goodness, that is either immediately after an application or, um, you're on top of a phosphorus mine or something. Um, which is, which is incredibly high. And you know, where does that settle down to? It'll settle (laughs) down, you know, a fair amount, but gauging by where that is right now, you, you know, one of the things we know about phosphorus is that it tends to not leach very much. Um, and as long as you have decent density, it's not going to run very much either. So, um, you said it grew in real well. You know, when I, when I look at this under no circumstances whatsoever, would I feel it necessary to apply any more phosphorus moving forward for at least a year, if not two years. Um, then the next thing I notice, so, you know, NP and K primarily is, you know, where, where we like to focus because, you know, that's the, uh, our macronutrients, right. Or, or at least our, our three yeah. dominant macronutrients. Um, and so the next one would be K, right. And you're at a hundred and, uh, what, you know, roughly 120 parts per million. We'll call it that for ease of math. And you know, with that, that gives you some flexibility of being able to apply some K if you want. Um, do you need to apply K? Uh, probably not for next year. And so th- that kind of opens up a little bit of flexibility here in terms of, of, of dollars spent on your property, right? Now, I'll tell you that I'm going to have my own way of approaching this. Ryan will probably have one a little bit different and Ray will have one uh, a little bit different too. I'm going to give you from a, a lawn care perspective. I pull the soil test. I'll tell you exactly how how I would I would do this. Um, I would apply only 
urea in the upcoming years, in the upcoming year, right? Um, you have uh, a crazy amount of iron in your soil. Um, you have all, all you know, that iron. Exactly. Um, you have a low pH, right? So that means you have a higher propensity for iron availability. And if you wanted to add something to trick that out, uh, you, you know, look at your, your, uh, you know, iron to, to manganese levels there, you know, that's, that's pretty extreme. So if it were me, I would apply urea. And if I want to do something a little tricky and, and, and feel like a, like a, like a wizard, you know, I'm, I might run a little, a little chelated manganese on the lawn, or I might even just spray a little manganese sulfate. Um, and you know, that's a, that's a real easy tank mix that you can do. You can dissolve urea in your tank and you can dissolve manganese sulfate in your tank. You don't need a bunch of it. You're not dissolving a pound per thousand square feet. You know, you're dissolving an ounce per, per thousand square feet, right? And make your foliar application in a super simple approach. Now, the one thing that I would say is not hundred percent necessary at this point, but something to keep in your radar is as you move into the fall, um, is, is, uh, uh, lime, right. And so where so you the, are, they actually did recommend it. Um, so where mm-hmm. I got the soil test from, uh, it's a local place, uh, in Malka Hill, New Jersey, close to me. Uh, they have an, they actually have an agronomist on site, um, that he looks at the soil test as well. Um, and he suggested to 25 pounds per 1000 square feet of calcitic lime. Uh, put put the 25 pounds down in the fall and then put another 25 pounds per 1,000 in the springtime for the pH level. So I did put 25 pounds of, per 1,000 of calcitic lime down in the fall. Would you, do you recommend putting down more in the springtime for the pH or get the, another soil test in the springtime and then so see like what the pH is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you could do it again this year. I, I wouldn't be so, it's probably not necessary to hurry up and jump back on it and test it and see if it moved two tenths of a point or whatever. Uh, you put yeah. down 25 pounds and depending on where it was derived from, here's the other thing. Do you have to apply calcitic in this situation? No, you can apply dolomitic. You're at, you know, 99 parts per million of magnesium. You, you, you're free to, you know, whatever's cheapest, whatever has your finest grind that you can get for the cheapest available price go for it. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and again, where, where you are, uh, and, 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 you know, we talked about MLSN and let me give you some, some numbers here that would be considered like critical numbers, right. Where is, as you approach this, you know, we're talking about, you know, issues really starting to arrive typically for phosphorus, they're going to say 37 parts per million. Um, there is some research on uh, cool season grasses, not specifically tall fescue. Uh, I think it mostly centers around bent grass. Um, but there, um, and this is through who was a dog sold that and Travis Shaddix. Um, they think closer maybe to ten parts per million would would be more of an appropriate critical level for soil phosphorus. Um, Obviously, you're at 450 right now, or 490, and that's you know that's inflated because of uh, of your soil phosphorus. But you're not going to lose 400 parts per million and be left with with you know 40 parts per million of phosphorus, more than likely. So, um, 
you know that that means you're free there. You don't have to apply it with with K. I believe uh, K is thirty five parts per million. Uh, I in in according to Michael Wood's research, he began to see, uh, and this is pulled from their data collection. Um, fifty parts per million is where they saw the beginning of of problems. Outliers, right? So maybe one out of a hundred had a problem at fifty parts per million. Me personally, I manage things of making sure I'm nowhere near 50 parts per million, right? When I dip below 100 parts per million, that's when I add K back to my program. That's just my own psychological thing that I do uh, in, in my own plan. Is that where you need to be? No. Can you run it lower than 100? Yes. Um, but that's where I am. You're at, you're over 100 here, right? You're at 120 parts per million. So, you know, that's why I'm saying, you know, do you need to apply it this year? No. If you want to apply a little bit, can you? Yeah. Um, I would not make a potassium only application, right? So I don't think there's any reason for you to go spray potassium acetate or potassium carbonate or um, uh, an application of sulfate of potash on your lawn. I, I wouldn't approach it that way. Um, but if you buy a fertilizer that is a 2404, you got it laying around or, uh, you know, a 1505 or whatever, and, and, you know, it's on sale for, you know, seven bucks a bag or something. You're like, man, I want to pick it up. It's a screaming deal. It still is applicable to apply to your lawn uh, because that little bit of potassium, um, you know, you, you're not you're not blowing the bank on a, on a totally wasted application there. Right. So there's there's still some necessity for it. So that would be that would be my approach. That would be the cheapest way that I could approach this. Manganese sulfate is relatively cheap. Uh, urea is is cheapest, you know, dollar for dollar uh, uh, product that you can apply, and no real bells and whistles, but you can have a stand up yard. Now, guys, I'll ask y'all to chime in on this, and then where I want to go from that is I want to talk about what happened specifically in his area from July first moving on last year because that was a bit of a pain point. But first, y'all are looking at this. What are you doing? A few things. Uh, okay, so I want to dive into what's listed on that program for 2022. So, you know, soil test is, I, I agree with you guys. Like, the only other thing I see there's, you know, the OM is pretty high. Like, hey, you, you don't need to go crazy with... Um, organics and things of that nature you're you might end up i wouldn't say hurting yourself but not helping yourself in the long run so let's look back over to that program jpink and i want to talk about the bottom here so you know we're talking about this is the program you laid out so first of all just tell us like where where is this program derived from how did you conceptualize yeah. it and what were you thinking yeah. when you did it all right so my approach for next year is to, I really want to shop local next year. I don't want to shop from a salesman that lives in Florida. I, you know, I want to shop, you know, local to <laughs> New Jersey. Yeah. I wonder who that could be. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I want to support my local companies. So that's why I want to use between two different companies. One, the guy that this program's from, he, he's in like North central Jersey, I shall say. Um, the company names called Plant Specialty. He's more focused on organic fertilizers. Um, and I know organic, it's a very, you know, it's one of those terms, you know, 
not everyone agrees with if everything's organic in the bag or not to call it organic. But anyway, I want to use, you know, one of these companies, you know, and so this is his program that he lays out here. It's a mix between a granular and a liquid form, as you guys can see here. That's what I have labeled on that, that left-hand column there. Um, and then he lays it out uh, by rounds he has it as. Uh, so round one all the way to round six. But his program, because of its, since it is a, a more organic-based fertilizer, uh, you know, it's obviously more slow release than, you know, than a synthetic. So he's looking at intervals between, you know, 40 and 45 days between each application. Um and as you can see there, his main fertilizer, his main granular source uh, of fertilizer is an 1825. Um, and then the other ones there for his liquids are, it's, it's a macro fuel at 1803 and another micro fuel at 100. Um, I did send Jay Pink the actual analysis, like the actual screenshots of the uh, fertilizers as well, just so you guys can see where what's like what, what it's derived from. If we want to get into that, we can, but we do have the screenshots of them as well, uh, what the different, you know, items are derived from. Um, oh, but, we want to get this... all up in that, all up in that. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's fine. <laughs> um, but like I said, you know, yes. I want to. I want to gear my program next year to more local companies. And that's why I went with this for next year. So this is what my, if I, you did this program next year, this is what I would do. Essentially. This is what that's the spreadsheet is here. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's, let's just run through the products first. Cause I want to understand them. I, I, I mean, Ray, Matt, I don't know what y'all know, but I know nothing it, of this company. I'm not saying it's a bad company. I just, this is, if I was doing this on my own, this is how I would dig in and do the research, and we're just going to go through it live. In 1825, right? I'm guessing, is a biosolid blend. Typically, when I see things like poultry. that, I think of screaming green. I think, uh, okay, okay. So, ammonia, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. potash, and poultry. Okay. Okay, yeah. It's all, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm reviewing the uh, product labeling right now, and uh, let's just say that I can make the program even simpler and less expensive. Agreed. Yeah, I can make it simpler and less expensive because uh, even for me, I buy local too. Because, by the way, yeah. uh, the various you know people in, say, Florida or even a good guy in Tennessee he can these people cannot ship me stuff to hawaii anyway so as a result whatever i apply cannot be fillers fluff or any bms it has to be 100% fertilizer <laughs> if you if you mix fillers and fluff do you get fluffers ray i hope we do ah uh, no, you don't. You don't get. You don't get that kind of uh, fluffer. So I'm even more bummed out. Okay, Ryan. <laughs> I'm even more. If upset. only they had those. <laughs> if only they had those at the local site one or E wing. But moving on. Uh, okay, so this is this is the granular. Let's let's look at this. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll we'll start here with the granular real quick. Hang on, and I, you know, kind of my comments on it are. Um, sure. Nothing, nothing majorly wrong with this formula. This, this would work for you. Um, my only thing is that you are already so high in phosphorus that 
spending the money on a product that contains phosphorus. And you have to understand phosphorus is the most expensive input this upcoming year. There is zero reason to apply phosphorus at all. Like there, negative, I, there are more negative reasons, reasons for me to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's negative more reasons, reasons for you to not apply phosphorus than there is reasons for you to apply phosphorus. So you're, you're spending money on something just that that's costing, you know, 15, $1,600 a ton in, in bulk right now. Uh, so for those two units of, of phosphorus that come along with that, uh, even though it is derived from, uh, from poultry manure, you are still paying an, a, an extremely inflated price for something that you don't need just because it it's tagged along in the back. Right. Um, right. yeah. Uh, are I mean, you that, in, uh, go, go ahead, go ahead, Ray. And uh, on top of that, uh, here's my other question is, do you know how much poultry manure are you getting? And do you understand the nitrogen release characteristics of something that is derived from poultry manure? Because I have somewhat of an understanding of materials like that. and. If I were dealing with a cool season grass in a place that has warm and humid summers, I, for one, would be extremely cautious about applying anything touted as organic or organic-based nitrogen. I'd, I'll, that I'll, would, I'll crank that up a step itchy. further and just say, tall fescue... In the mid-Atlantic, with four plus percent organic matter, Ray, and then you just throw a little bit of that poultry manure on there for the fire. So when we get hot mm -hmm. and wet together, that is going to fire some stuff don't, off that you do not want to have I mean, don't, in brown patch season. I mean, don't right? Yeah, don't you uh, don't you just uh, have that nice visual of uh, I don't know decay because i don't only think about brown patch now because you know what gets me when there's too much organic matter or organic matter derived fertilizers on the ground and i'm at the wrong time of the year you know what gets me what do you got antipithium hmm. antipithium comes up and she just uh says party's over kid <laughs> I mean, you're going to have that. You're going to have a variety of issues being too juiced up. Mm -hmm. So so what we're saying is this, Joe, is that, you know, the release characteristics are like this. You know, you need moisture and you need soil temperatures to be up to release the nitrogen in that poultry manure, right? That depending on source and everything like that, you know, uh, somewhere between 6 and 16 weeks, right? Depends on the weather. Depends on a bunch of myriad of factors. but what the point is, though, is that you do not want to be releasing all that stuff when you get really hot and really wet and wet environmental yeah. conditions. Because now you've got a recipe for a really, really succulent, juiced-up plant, and that is times when your susceptibility to plant diseases are at its highest. In an environment where they're already at their highest, and no joke, in the Mid-Atlantic, the pathogens are present, so... You got to be careful. Nitrogen management is going to be a real key of you, 
you know, ascending and taking your lawn, quote unquote, to the next level, right? So you got to think about that when you're when you're going through this. So let's let's look at you know, it looks like you back off into summertime and go full blown liquid, which nothing wrong with that. I think you know, there's there's a case to be made here, gentlemen. That I mean, especially with where he's at. All the way around. So right? it, it, it got it, it got pretty it got pretty warm here. Obviously, Jersey the temperatures. Um, like I honestly this year, um, I don't. We might have saw a hundred one day, maybe two days in the summertime. Um, but like it does, it gets very humid in Jersey. You know. Um, I would say the summer yeah. was hot this year, but it, it wasn't anywhere near. It, like it normally is um or it, it had, like i've seen when i was younger um you know but it does you know it's it was for the most part i would say it was i don't know somewhat dry but we did get rain and then at times when we did get rain it wasn't like a you know a flash flood kind of rain it was more of like a you know a hit or miss kind of rain throughout the summertime um add to the but, humidity right Add to yeah, the humidity, yeah. right, right, Joe? And that's like speaking to what uh, Ryan is talking about, where with certain nitrogen sources, warm, humid, but then not enough water to truly sustain the grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's just uh, when I am literally on ultra high alert as far as disease watch goes. I'm on, I'm on really high alert, and uh, so Matt so, kind of wanted to get it, get into what happened this year, and if mm-hmm. we want to go back there, we can. But you know, that's on, we'll, we'll, we'll I get, did. We'll get there in a minute. We'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of essentially what my downfall I think was in this year was. So just to give you a background, with my house, um, I put a DIY sprinkler system all in myself. Uh, that's on my channel as well, uh, showing people how I did it. It's the very unconventional way. <laughs> um, I use funny pipe as my, as the pipe to run my sprinkler system. And this year, my, so what I did was, is I put it in the ground last fall, but my coverage wasn't the greatest. So this year I kind of expanded on that coverage for the, the sprinkler system. So it didn't help the fact that I had that nicely established lawn in the fall. And then in the springtime, I was trying to mess with the coverage. So I was digging trenches and doing a bunch of different things. So now I finally got my sprinkler set for next year. Um, and I'm running MP rotators in my sprinkler system. I kind of like those heads uh, a lot. I, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like the they get a more even coverage on the sprinkler system than, you know, regular. Um, in like impact style or rotor, rotor style um, sprinklers. Um, but yeah, so going back to the sprinkler system, so it's not, it wasn't, it's not a conventional system. It, 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 I do have it all ran back to a nice Bluetooth system now. Um, if I could do it over again, I would do it completely different and just probably have somebody do it for me. But I like doing things myself. I'm a DIY kind of person. Um, so, uh, you know, I you live and you learn, kind of thing. Well, Nothing wrong with that. Wrong with Nothing that. wrong. I mean, I mean, I don't. I won't uh, 
down you for wanting to do your own irrigation system because uh, do you know who else I get into fights with? I literally get into fights with these people. Guess who else I get into fights with? I don't know. Irrigation installers. <laughs> we hate each other. We, 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 we really hate each other. I mean, uh... say it ain't so right. <laughs> This, this is how nuts this my my wife calls me the human mole because I will literally go out so I, I you guys know I have kids so I'll go out at night at like you know eight o'clock at night after we get done putting the kids to sleep and I got my headlamp on on my head and I'll go out there and that's what I was doing during during when I was installing the sprinkler system I was I took my <laughs> spade and I'm just you know digging the trenches along and you know flipping the side you know the side over and then running the pipe and uh, this year. I wanted to get the sprinkler heads out to the sidewalk side of the street. So I actually built a, like a bore, like a water bore kind of like what they use mm -hmm. to like, you know, bore tunnels. So I got, you know, I forget what size PPC it was now, like three quarter PPC. Um, and then, you know, glued on the ends to put a, a hose on the one end and have like a nice brass, <laughs> uh, you know, thing on the end. And I was just going back and forth with the bore. And then I, I, it was nuts, but you know what? I got it underneath the sidewalk, and it's everything's in place now, so I don't have to mess with it next year. All I got to do is hook up the water, um, and then I'm good to go. But uh, I like I don't mind doing stuff. Like, I honestly don't mind going out there, getting my hands dirty. Um, I have a DIY channel as well that I, I like doing different, like these wood signs I have behind me right here. I, I like doing stuff like that, um, you know, so I don't mind getting my hands dirty and, you know, doing different things. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't have that ability. So, kudos to you. <laughs> or patience. Or patience. I, I, well, let's I'm say I, I will say one those. thing. I don't have. I don't have a ton of patience either. Sometimes there may be stuff that gets thrown. You know, when you get frustrated. So. That's just the Jersey in you, though. Everybody I know from Jersey is very <laughs> quick to throw shit. It happens all the time. <laughs> no. Here's the macro fuel liquid fertilizer. Um, so urea, methylene urea, uh, fruit rind, potassium, and trace elements. Um, I don't see any trace elements listed on here, so um, I don't I don't know what that is. Um, but as far as an analysis, uh, in 1803, works perfectly fine. It's a slow release liquid, so I've I've got nothing, uh, no no problem with this here. It's interesting. It's an artisan formula. I've never seen. I've never seen that on a label claim. That's it. Okay. That's pretty interesting. That's a, but, but hey, they were, they were uh, kind of like artisanal water. I'm sure I got a bottle around here. Well, I, I think it's hands, a, I think it's a little aprons. Artisanal. It's a, I think it's a more of a Northeast kind of thing. Uh, you know, that artisan thing. Like you see it on a lot of like different labels and stuff. The artisan. It's thing. hipster. I, it's hipster. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, what would make me buy this if I could get a hold of it is lose the fruit rind potassium, uh, lose the molasses. Because for me, I am totally a fan of mesaline urea. Because mesaline That's urea, my boy, Ray. As a, yeah, as a, as a sprayed 
nitrogen source, especially during times when your potential for burn or or issues is higher. Methylene urea is as good as you can get because uh, I have fun memories of this product that I used to use that had a, I think, a 2800 analysis. And it was 70% other water-soluble nitrogen. You could still get that one. So it was... Well... Yeah. Now, but. Yeah. Yeah, well... But that was my kicker to add to my existing liquids so that I could get a guaranteed 45 days worth of nitrogen response out of the fertilizer. But... Since then, I've gone even more economical, and I now use something called stabilized urea technology. And the stabilized urea technology, it's sprayable, and it will give you a nitrogen response for at least 45 days. And it's very predictable. But this is a rather predictable product, too, because of the methylene urea. Uh, what I was advocating before was that given all the circumstances with this yard, right, I think you could make a case that, you know, Joe here could take, you know, if he wants to use this product and shop local and, and hey, I'm not going to stop him and say, hey, don't use it. I, I think there's some, you know, like you said, Ray, there's some stuff in here that, is in there that you're paying for that doesn't add a ton of value, but again, like, mm -hmm. are you going to find a better product as local, all that kind of stuff. So what I'm saying though, is that, you know, if you wanted to go out every, you know, four to five weeks and just run, you know, a quarter pound of this, it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it's not, if it's one other way of doing it, I'm not advocating that, that you have to do it that way, Joe, but if you wanted to do it, you could. The, the just because granular wise, if you're not going to run just like straight urea, it, it, you're kind of again same thing. You're paying for stuff you don't need. Let's and, just say and, that. And one thing, shot. Let, let me clarify one thing real quick. When you see fruit rind potassium on a label, um, it may be potassium derived from a fruit rind. However the sources of potassium that occur in the fruit are going to be the exact same uh, chemical analyses that we use in fertilizer, right? So you're going to see traces of potassium chloride. You're going to see potassium uh, uh, sulfate. You're going to see potassium carbonate. You're going to see potassium malate. Um, th that is what is going to exist in these potassium sources. So it may be derived from fruit. However, it is the exact same chemical composition that you would find in a fertilizer. So just one thing to keep in the back of your head uh, that, it, you know, it, is, is it doing anything that you're not getting from a traditional potassium source that you may be buying over the counter? No, it's the exact same thing. It's just plant derived in this case. So it's all the, it's all the fruit rind peels though from. From from Whole Foods, Matt. It's artisanal, you know. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Does it come with a man bun? I'm just curious. I don't know, but you know. This listen th honestly. The, I the put guy on man buns because I'm jealous. I don't have. I I can't grow hair up there, so I just. I 
I'm no, jealous. I, I get all my groceries from Whole Foods. Of course you do, JP. What were you saying? No, it was Joe. I cut off the Joe, guy. The, no, no, sorry, Matt. Um, no, the guy that runs a company, he's like a straight, like kind of like me kind of guy, like from Jersey. He's not like a hipster or, <laughs> or anything like that. Uh, he's very knowledgeable. Uh, I've talked to him a lot on the phone. He's helped me out a little bit this year in the fall time. Um, but I, I, I don't know if I put that on here, the price of everything. I might, I don't think I submitted everything for the price wise. What I, I, I did actually. So actually, yes, the, the prices are all down. Yeah. The prices are all down. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if I did. I mean, you could see, I'm going to save a considerable amount of money. Just go into that program. I mean, which is great. You know, I, at the end of the day, I want, that's, that's my, I'm advocating on YouTube right now is for people to shop local because honestly, there's probably a lot of local fertilizer companies that people probably just don't realize that are local to them, that they could save a ton of money and not buy from someone from, you know, Florida all the time. And, (laughs) you know, that's why I just, I, that's why I kind of want to shop local because I know I can save money, you know, from the shipping costs and just not buying overpriced fertilizer again from somebody from Florida. And and this, and like I said, this the, the top uh, spreadsheet here doesn't even include um, the liquid fertilizers I spent. I'm like almost embarrassed to say what I spent in liquids too because it was no. It's, uh, it's if my okay. wife watches, she's we probably saying someone, I'm going to kill you. You know, <laughs> we we saw so. someone pull out nine different gallon containers to make a single application one time. So you know it it happens. No, we, we, we've we've seen somebody a fill a right. Seen a pro pull out a ride-on sprayer, Matt, and have uh, what ninety percent product and ten percent water? Maybe, yeah. Yes, that we one? saw that. We saw that yeah, too. Actually, so there was there was no water in that, by the way. Um, that was, <laughs> was, that was I was being generous. Mixed concentrates and why and why it layered so aggressively. Which, yeah. So uh, it, it, trust us, nothing nothing it shocks happens. me. I have done that before. Listen, when I was an applicator, this is no lie. Um, why the, the first thing I did where I learned not to do that is um, back in the day, he, one of my one of my tank mixes that I ran was uh, diluted into sufficient water that I could run a combination of a uh, it was a product called Tri Power from New Farm and. Uh, but uh, MSMA uh, back when we could spray that I combine those two and if you do it in sufficient water you can get away with it however if you combine concentrates it turns into a solid mass uh, like a brick it turns into a literal it tur- brick yeah it just coagulates and solidifies uh, so that's just uh, the follies and uh, pitfalls and catastrophes of all of these liquids, although I am going to throw shade right now and say the good thing is, is that with a lot of these proprietary liquid fertilizers, it's a good thing most of what you're paying for is water. Okay? It, most it, of what and you're it paying for is stabilize the solution. Uh, water yeah, is the, it, great, uh, the great buffer. The great solver. Well, the universe... The universal solvent, because for me, most of what I apply, 
all comes to me in 50-pound bags or 25-pound bags as a dry material. I deal with my own water. Um, let's let's take a look at the uh, the last product here, um, the microfuel. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, again, is our micronutrient something that you're you're just absolutely needing to go apply to your yard? No, like can you? No. Yes, if you're if you're if you're color color chasing, you know, I I get it. Everybody does it. Um, you know, go for it. The the one thing that I do like about this is, um, you know, it's a good good ratio of manganese to iron, and you know, considering you know you're off the charts on iron, and uh, you know about where you should be on manganese, you know, I'd say you'd get a pretty good color response from this. Um, so yeah, I've got I've got no problem with this. If you want to use this as a micronutrient product too, you know, I think I think you're, I think you're in good space here as well. My goal, so my, I, just going back to my program for next year, my goal is to stick to a program and just stick to that program and not go nuts, you know, trying different products and different things, you know, and seeing the latest trend on YouTube and trying that product, you know, and I want to save a ton of money as well. And I think I will with this program here, you know, maybe tweaking it a little bit, you know, here and there on different things, you know, maybe I can even, like you guys were saying, I could even save a little, even more money. Um, I mean, that's my biggest thing going into next year is, you know, saving money and not spending a ton of money. And, you know, honestly, I think when it comes to YouTube, a lot of people chase, you know, what's the latest trend and, you know, wanting to throw down that product and to get content. I mean, that's what a lot of people are there for, for YouTube. I know, I know I'm going back to the YouTube thing again, but it all plays into this, but you know, people chase that content. They look for new things to do. Um, you know, and next year I just want to stick to something and just, and do it. And then, you know, see my results at the end of the year, you know, kind of thing. Um, you know, that's, that's just, that's what I'm looking forward for next year. You know, well, you know, it, it, the only thing, my only recommendation of looking at your program la- uh, next year is I would, I would drop the granular in favor of just straight urea, uh, would, would be my only thing. If you, if you, if you want to trick it out and you get a little, uh, uh, you, you know, urea and slow release urea, you know, like a 3300 or something with a little PC SEU in it, maybe that's fine. Um, but given your time of year that you're actually making these applications, I, I don't even see the need for you to do that. Uh, so if you want to spend a little extra money to trick out urea, maybe, maybe a Uflex or a Umax. Um, but that would be the only thing just because you have under no circumstance whatsoever. Do you need to be applying any more phosphorus to your lawn? Like you're sufficient for a decade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got you've got a lot of phosphorus that's uh, probably so going to be available you, for a long time. So let me ask you this: It's going to be probably a dumb question, um, but why do why is it that when you go to do an overseed, a lot of people always recommend a starter fertilizer when it sounds like you really don't need phosphorus? You know, or like I guess depend. Let me say, depending on each person's lawn. For instance, my lawn, you don't need phosphorus, but people always drive home that you need a starter fertilizer when you go to do an overseed. Why, why is that? I don't know if it's a thumb, two, pack, but you know, I'm two, just curious. Two reasons. One, 
the formula of being told what to do. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you should do. Mm -hmm. And number two. There you go. Those are your two reasons. People telling you to follow a playbook and people telling you to follow conventional wisdom without any reasonable explanation of why you should do this. Old wives tales, it just it it's just beat into you, you know, and and it, it, you know, people who have the faintest hint of radio grass knowledge, right? They listen to uh, <laughs> their local county extension agent on the weekends, uh, on the on the Probably, Saturday morning show. You know, Neil Dempsey gets up there how, and he talks about his four. How many samples uh, on the radio? That's a that's a great question. We got we're gonna do, we're gonna put us down a little, little starter fertilizer and, uh, and who, who's calling? I forgot your name. Um, so this is Where legit. <laughs> uh, Neil Dempsey is one of our uh, county extension agents here. It, it, a phenomenal guy. Like I, I I love him so much. He's a big giant jolly bastard. And uh, and he also got on the radio in the midst of of you know talking to people about their lawns and their gardens and stuff, and he said he was a big advocate of the four major food groups, and that was um, alcohol, cholesterol, nicotine, and um, oh man, I can't remember the other one. Um, caffeine it, it, and nicotine, it, it, right? Alcohol, cholesterol, caffeine. caffeine, and nicotine were the were the four the four redneck food groups. He called it right. So. Again, it's just kind of conventional wisdom and it's it just becomes it's it's a way of of making things incredibly simple for people, right? It's it's kind of like the 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 start the word winterizer. It is purely a marketing term. Winterizer is a marketing term. And it used to mean it used to mean applying a lot of potassium in the fall. Well, you know, through uh, uh conventional research what we saw is that in certain instances on certain grass types, loading your soils with potassium in the fall can lead to increased instances of uh, snow mold. And so all of a sudden our winterizer fertilizers took on a different thing. And then now it's more of a, of a, a nitrogen dominant fertilizer, right? But you attach the name winterizer to it because that's what you hear on the radio. That's what you hear the guy at Lowe's talk about. It's easy to identify with. It's easy to market behind, and uh, because if you just heard it in passing, it's something that registers with you, right? Same thing with starter fertilizer, all that fun stuff. So uh, it's 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 purely for market recognition. I honestly, Ray, there's uh, a lot. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, um, it's, honestly, I think I saw a better response last year when I did my overseas with the X start. Is that what it was called? The X. You didn't. Uh, you're dreaming. I honestly, I no. This is all my honest opinion. Is I felt like the lawn filled in thicker last year with the X X Green and X Star than I did this year with my starter fertilizer that I used this year. The twelve, twelve, twelve. I don't know. I, I, I put, who knows? I put, I mean, I put pure a, magic in that motherfucker. That's why I, he is, did. I bet pure <laughs> magic right out of my back pocket. I'll never tell you what's actually in that shit. It is, it is like, pure magic. So. So, I like I like the the visual. I'm Links a visual person. So as, Just kidding, it's out of business. If it looks low, uh, uh, anyway, I like visual wise, and as as you can see here, this is what my lawn looked. Uh, J Pink, when was this one labeled? November twenty eighth. November twenty eighth. So 
this is essentially from what my lawn looks like now or at the end of the overseed after doing the Mountain View seed, mm. um, as opposed to those other pictures with the peat moss on the ground. Um, but I, I, I'm happy with my result this year. Um, you know, it. my goal next year is to keep it like this so I don't have to start over essentially again uh, this year, you know, next year. Um, but I'm happy with it. You know, at the end of the day, you know, no lawn, in my opinion, no, no lawn's going to be, no lawn's going to be perfect. You know, it's the, it's most, it's pretty much the greenest lawn on the block. And, you know, I get, I like the people that, you know, will walk by and, you know, re, you know, they'll look down sometimes and they'll be like, you know, that looks pretty good. You know, that's always a good feeling too. But, um, uh, going back to the the fertilizers that I'm going to use for next year, um, it I know that synthetic fertilizers. I think there's more of a salt, it, uh, more of a salt. Uh, is it index or more of a salt, salt in them? Index. Yes is, is and no. Index? Yes and no. Yes and no. Concern, because... Is there any concern with my soil tests with this kind of fertilizer that I'd be using with that, or or no? No, salt indexes can, as long as you're within label rates, you have to remember salts are very, very soluble, right? So it takes very little water to move the salt through your soil profile. Accumulation of salts in your soil profile occur when you do not have, uh, when you, when you do not adhere to proper application rates. Um, and then there's some other things that can exacerbate issues like, uh, you know, black layer and all that kind of fun stuff that can create some, uh, uh, anaerobic conditions. And, uh, but we're not there. We're, we're not seeing anything like that. You know, if you pulled a, a probe from your soil and you see a very, very, you know, you know, you go down two inches and you have a black layer that's made of like, what feels like steel, um, then that's a totally separate issue. And you would be dealing with, a, a you would come on the show and be like, Oh my God, something is so screwed up. I've got to figure it out. Um, I, it would be incredibly honestly, and typically I, I, that exists in sand, not, not in native soil anyway. Yeah. Like, so my soil, I would say it's more of like a sandy loam, you know? Um, yeah. You're coastal. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even aerate this year. I mean, it was so it's not compacted at all. Um, I know I use some of that brown, you know, liquid aeration products throughout the year. And, um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel the need to aerate, you know, my lawn, you know, I know a lot of people recommend that, you know, to do that in the fall time, but I just dethatched in the, the overseed from my disaster after, you know, early July and threw my seed down in September and it came in well, you know, just kept it water, kept it moist. And, uh, you know, it came in pretty good. Yeah. Aeration does not germinate seed for, for anybody out there listening. Um, that is not the magic. You can germinate grass in an aeration hole. You can germinate grass next to an aeration hole. You can germinate grass in a paper towel. You can germinate grass in a, in the concrete. Uh, you can germinate grass yeah. in, in grass using, using grass seed. You can germinate grass seed inside of grass seed. Take a pile of grass seed, just keep it wet, and I promise it's going to start growing. Um, you don't grass need to start a fertilizer inception. to get it to come up. You don't need fertilizer for it to come up. Uh, it's you know, it, I think everybody in school took a bean and put it in a damn uh, uh, a wet paper towel and germinated the thing. Uh, 
right? This is this is not rocket science. You need you know adequate temperatures, adequate moisture, and depending on the variety of plant, you may or may not need sun. So there you go. That that is the only thing you need to get things going. And I'll tell you that the way genetics have progressed, that initial seedling vigor has become so intense and so responsive uh, that. The idea of needing something additional to get it going is is asinine at best. Um, all right. So Ryan, you have a phrase about growing grass through the spring and then growing grass until summer or through summer. Um, and it's this catchy little thing that you know so and so can grow grass. You know through. Oh yeah, my dead grandmother can grow grass. Yeah, yeah. Tell us that, and then let's talk about what is going on. Um, let's let's talk about your your month of July moving forward, Joe. So yeah, the saying is is that yeah, my dead grandmother can grow grass up until Memorial Day. After that, you need a professional, right? The hundred days of hell from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And I'll let Joe speak on this, but uh, to quantify it, I went back and looked. So Philadelphia averages, I did Camden actually, because Philly's a little bit hotter. So I did Camden, which is just across the river there. So they average yeah. 21 90 degree days or warmer. So 90 or 90 plus this year from July, or excuse me, June 1 to August 31, y'all had 32 days above 90. So it was a hot summer. And if I remember correctly, after counting up 24 of those, or after the 4th of July, on or after the 4th of July. So you had a hot summer. Maybe it didn't feel like it. Maybe, yeah. I mean, trust me. That's why you quantify this a, stuff. I, because, I have a pool, so, you know, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't always Well, no, feel seriously, that way. like, I, I, I do this all the time. I'm sure these guys do too, where, you know, Ray, it's probably because of when it's cool or when it's humid, but you think, oh, yeah, it wasn't that bad. And you go back and look at it, you're like, oh, shit, like, it was bad. And that's why no, keeping data, keeping okay. records is important. You know, speaking to that, I must be a damned weirdo because I know the difference, for example, between 70 degrees and 90 degrees and 80 degrees and even down to 60 degrees. I know the difference. Whereas for most people, they don't pay attention very much. and I unload on them. I say, of course it doesn't matter to you because you have what I call the garage door syndrome. And let me describe the garage door syndrome to you. <laughs> this is the garage door syndrome, Joe. They okay. get up in the morning in their centrally AC'd house. Yep. They step into their car. They drive to their office. And their office has a covered parking. They take the elevator up to their office. Then they go back down at the end of the workday, drive back home, garage door slams shut after them, and then they go back into their AC'd house. So they have no concept of conditions. So they have no idea that, for example, it's, say, 90 degrees and humid outside. They also have no damn concept that it's uh, 
opposite situation, which is relevant to me, 60 degrees outside. But for me, what I'm kind of paying attention to is what I look at is extremes of temperatures and also I look at what are the limits of tolerance for the kind of grass that are typically growing in the neighborhood. And when you, when Ryan said something about more than five days of 90 degree weather, I immediately thought bye-bye fescue. Hmm. I immediately thought that. Okay. Hmm. And especially. Yeah, it's, funny you say, it's, it's funny you say nine, that because that my neighborhood is very diverse. Like it's the guy across the street from me, he's got zoysia grass. And obviously mm-hmm. that, that thrives in the summertime. Um, you know, mm-hmm. his lawn's the green, the greenest on the block. Um, and then the person next to me, they got mostly tall fescue, but there is a definitely in Jersey, there's a mixture of zoysia is a very common grass to see in the area. Um, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. and as an alternate to like say tall fescue and, you know, KBGs per se. Sure. Sure. And the reason why that can work is because this is Zoisha. It's near death if temperature goes below 70 degrees. However, mm-hmm. from 70 degrees to 100 degrees, as long as you've got that water going, it is slamming. Yeah. However, the flip side to that is. I'm going to guess that the zoysia lawns are the first to go brown in the fall and the last lawns to green up in the spring. But Mm -hmm. the good part about that is that is the kind of turf grass that holds up no matter how brutal your summer is. It's like we say, it's literally in an area like Philadelphia, Ray, and you can you can attest to this. You understand what it's like, but you got to mm-hmm. answer this question for yourself. I'm going to let you pick which three months that your grass is going to look like absolute dog shit. You tell me that, <laughs> and we'll pick your species. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah, and I can I can attest to that as well. Where I tell people your choice of grass determines uh, if your grass goes through a bad period and how long your grass goes through a bad period. I mean, in my case, I tell people, here's the reality, for example. You know what Zoisha's bad period is here in Hawaii? From November until April. That's Zoisha's bad period. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. It's a long what? time. Hey, I mean, the guy across the street from me with the Zoisha, he might be out there like, I don't know. It seems like almost every other day cutting his lawn in the summertime. <laughs> it's funny. And he's got Ooh, this that's... old Honda. He's got this old uh, Honda rotary mower. And he just, it takes him like four hours to cut his lawn. He's, he's, a, he's an older gentleman, but he just, he loves it. He loves to cut his grass in the summertime, in the heat. Gosh, 
Oh, God. No fun about that. Well, hey, listen, let's move into this, you know, before we, we're not rushing you, but before we have to get out of here about the, yeah, yeah. let's talk about the organic thing and the weed control and, and all that. I just want, no, I'm serious. It's a, it's an issue. And I'm telling you, I you're not the only one. I was talking to before the show and I was like, oh. I don't even know what to say about it. So. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I'm, I'm here to listen. <laughs> You're you're gonna hold, catch do, us from the trust said, tree. Do, do you want to hear my take us. on it? Yeah. yeah we, hey, trust fall here. We'll All catch right. you as you close your eyes and just lay back on the ladder. We got you. And then All rip right. this yeah. um, <laughs> arms out. All right. So my take on the so obviously, if you guys follow my channel, I was originally organic one warrior. Um, my take on the whole organic thing was. I try to I try to lose less chemicals in my lawn. Like I was saying, my wife she doesn't like herbicides in our lawn. Um, so initially, when I did my first overseed, instead of killing it off with say glyphosate or Roundup, I used uh, vinegar. Uh, as and I was trying to look for a I guess you could say a more. I know the organic term is a very you know. Not everyone agrees with that term. Um, at the end of the day, but I was trying to use something that's less when she hears herbicide, she thinks cancer. And I think yeah, a lot of sure. people out there, you know, hear that, you know, herbicide means cancer. And I try to tell her all the time that, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not at the end of the day. And, you know, you guys had Castleberry on for probably a couple, probably about a month ago. And I love his term, you know, labels law you know, when it comes to herbicides and I agree with them, you know, and if it was me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to using them. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm going, I love my wife. I'm going to, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to listen to her, what she wants me to do. And, um, that's why she was okay with me using more just, you know, regular fertilizers at the end of the day, which some of the fertilizers that I've used in the past, uh, you know, from the gentleman that sells them from Florida. I mean, they might not be the greatest fertilizers, but, you know, I just, that was my approach to the system. You know, I originally purchased a lawn care program that was a hybrid organic program. And um, that's what I went off of. I didn't know any better, you know. Um, like I said, this is more of just a hobby for me. I'm not a professional like you guys when it comes down to it. And I was just going off of someone else's recommendations, you know, and I, in my eyes, I was, I felt like I was doing a, a better thing for the environment, I guess you could say, not using, you know, that kind of stuff in my lawn. Um, but since it's gotten so controversial and people don't see my view of, you know, using herbicides in my lawn and using just kind of just fertilizers in general i kind of just took dropped the name and just went you know with the lawn warrior now um so you know and just at the end of the day i just want to be better for the environment i i, I kind of want to do better for the environment we we are very for the most part my family were i hate using that term but because i know a lot of people don't like it but we are a pretty organic you know uh family you know my wife we have a compost bin in the back. We try and compost as much as we do with our scraps, you know, for food and things like that. We take that compost, we put it back into our garden. We have a garden every year. Um, and 
you know, we grow things from seed. We don't go out to the stores. We don't buy the plants already, um, you know, already sprouted out of the ground. We grow everything ourselves from seed when it comes to our garden and we try and, you know, in the summertime, especially, you know, Jersey, they're very known for the tomatoes. Um, Jersey tomatoes are the best. And peaches. We try and grow peaches, yeah, blueberries, uh, you name it. Blueberries. You know, we're our garden stay for the reason, you know, and for a reason. Yeah. And um, but you know, we we try to be as environmentally friendly as we can, you know, when it comes down to things. We try not to use plastic bags. You know, we try to we try to use reusable bags when we can. You know, that's just our family. That's what we kind of try to do. You know, and um, you know, that's why the organic theme was there in the beginning, and that's why I and now I've taken it off. But that's just my take on the organic thing. I just try to be more environmentally friendly as as I can. You know, when it comes down to it. You know, no, that's a, Joe, that's admirable. That's a very that's an admirable thing, and I can tell you that I view myself actually as an environmentalist as well. I actually am an environmentalist. He's on the watch list now, boys. Look out. He is on the watch list and an environmentalist in the same breath. And I, I know where you're going with this, Ray. Go ahead. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. And the reason why I can say that is I always look at the total global impact of all of my practices and everything I do. And I look at it through this lens, how much time, energy, materials does this practice consume? Because here's where I'm going to get triggered. I'm going to get triggered when somebody tout something as being environmentally correct but whatever they're doing consumes a massive amount of resources to perform okay i'm going to get triggered and i'm going to call them out on their bullshit okay i'm going to say yeah you didn't apply fertilizers or herbicides but look at how much fossil fuels you are consuming to perform that same operation that you could have been over and done with. How does that help the environment? It don't. Tell yourself the truth, first of all. Don't lie to yourself. <laughs> and I think that's yeah, the I mean, point. I, is, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. Go, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, you know, my wife says it to me all the time. She's like, you just don't do anything to the lawn. I mean, that's the most, that's the most, that's the best thing you could do, you did, that you could do, you know, that's, that's the most environmentally friendly when it comes down to it, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but I, you know, I, do you want me, I, I tell her all the time, do you want me to start over again each year, you know, and, and not do anything to it, you know? And because that's kind of how I felt this year, essentially I started mm -hmm. completely over again, you know, and you spend even more money you know, to, to start over again, you know, and then I thought that's not what I want to do next year. I don't want to start over again, you know? Well, well, Joe? the good news for you is that actually that's not the most environmentally friendly thing because we have to remember that plants are particularly special in the sense that they are 
um, carbon absorbing machines and uh, and they they take carbon dioxide, convert it into energy and give us back oxygen in such a, a very harmonious and symbiotic relationship with humans. Right. And however, what we as humans have been able to figure out is that through uh, supplying uh, appropriate amounts of fuel to these plants is that we can maximize the rate of photosynthesis and therefore uh, carbon sequestration and, uh, and oxygen production from these plants. And so a plant that is fertilized appropriately and, uh, and uh, the, the amount of vigor and growth is maintained to a healthy state, uh, then you're actually uh, producing a net positive end result by having a nice, highly productive lawn versus something that sits there stagnant that thins out and becomes weedy uh, with, with plants that are not chooching uh, uh, photosynthesis at the same rates as your, uh, as your turf grasses are. So, um, you know, that is, that's the, the advantage you have working there. And, I, and I, I, I highly recommend you have that conversation with your wife and do so nicely because let me tell you, there's one woman in this world I do not want to piss off and that's my wife too. Uh, she may be a little tiny Japanese woman, but she kicks my ass once a week whether I need it or not. And, uh, and I, I, I do need it. Uh, so, you know, I, I get it. I'm right there with you, yeah. but I just want to, want to, you know, put that out there and you can share that with her and let her research it and all that fun stuff too. So she feels a little bit more comfortable with what you're doing, but in, I, I to- even, I even pinpointed her to your video that you did, um, about glyphosate. Uh, I, it's, it's an older video, I think on your, on your channel that you did about, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I forget what the exact topic was. I think you were talking about somebody that died from, I forget if they were applying it wrong or, or they were just around it too much. It's an older video, I think on your channel. Um, well, that was, uh, that was, that was, that was the glyphosate case in, uh, in California. The, the first one that made it to trial with, uh, with, with Rodney, the applicator. And, uh, he had had died from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and, um, the, the trial was, is, was glyphosate the root cause of the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or, uh, was it just a, a stroke of bad luck? And, uh, yeah, that's a, and they that's went video, to, yeah. went to, went to trial and, uh, and of course, you know, glyphosate lost that trial, but not because I read the entire court transcript and it was a very very emotional trial because rodney was an exceptionally awesome human being and as humans know there is death is tragic especially unexpected death is extremely tragic and cancer is a horrific thing in trying to make sense of why someone that is such a highly productive member of society um, could die or, or become so ill. He, he has not passed, by the way, uh, but could become so ill and lose so many years of his life with his family without explanation. As humans, we try to to reason and provide answers to that, um, and it, it be, because it's 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 tragedy, right? And and tragedy deserves reason. And, and a lot of times, especially when dealing with these these terminal illnesses, there are no good answers that we can come up with and it becomes an emotional decision over what actually is the 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 catalyst behind this and uh and if you read the trial transcripts and the um 
the data that is put forth uh, and it goes in real deep with the IARC and um, it, you know, how, how that original study, you know, came about and the epidemiology that, that went into it. It's, it's a very, very shaky case to correlate uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma with, with glyphosate exposure, especially the, the limited amount of exposure that guy had, which is a fraction of the amount of exposure that the majority of pesticide applicators would be exposed to over a longer period of time. Right. So um, anyway, it's, it's, it's controversial, it's charged and it's yeah. in, incredibly yeah. emotional. Um, but if you, if you feel like just absolutely evaporating a, a week of your life, read through the trial transcript. It's, it's actually very interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a real good read and going further that, than that, we have to understand that a lot of the current pesticides that are even on the market, they have been so thoroughly screened for carcinogenic potential that I consider them essentially at minimal to no risk of causing that. And do you know why I can say that, Joe? Because you use them. No, it is because I literally come from a time when a pesticide on the market would literally either kill you right away or kill you later. And the honest truth is that by year 2000, most of those products that had that tendency or propensity all got yanked off the market ASAFP. And the reason why I say that is because I've been around agricultural pesticides since the 1980s and turf and ornamental pesticides since the 1990s. In other words, I'm an old man. <laughs> I'm kind of an old man. But Joe, so we are going <laughs> to go go ahead, go ahead, Ray. So what what my point is is that when somebody says, "Oh my god, this causes cancer." I have to pause because I knew all of the, you know, suspect and definitive carcinogens, and they all got rapidly yanked off the market by year 2000. I mean, yanked. The first, first call came, I think, in the 19, late 1980s, early 90s. Second call happened in year 2000. So put that into perspective when somebody in modern times acts like their damn hair is on fire saying, oh, pesticides are going to cause cancer. Think about that. All right. We are going to have to wrap this up. Joe, do you have any final questions for us? Um, no, no final questions. Um, I just want to thank you guys, Ryan, Matt, and Ray, you know, for having me on tonight. And um, I want to shout, I didn't want to do any kind of shout outs during the time, you know, and I just want to <laughs> ride. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I just want to thank, 
Yeah, I just want to thank everyone that did, you know, that I've reached out to, you know, that are down in the chat below for watching tonight. And again, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate thanks for having the the courage to come on. Seriously, I know. Yeah, I know it's, it's 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 a lot you know. harder. It's a lot harder than it looks. You know. Uh, you know, honestly, <laughs> it, I was, uh, I, I was pretty, I, I'll just say I was pretty nervous. Like it was like eight o'clock and, you know, you're going on the, the, the pre-show and I was like, shit, man, I'm like, I was sweating a little bit there, you know? So, <laughs> well, you did great. You it was a great show. And, uh, and, and, and again, you know, I know the sacrifices you're making to, uh, to, to be on here, um, you know, professionally and all that fun stuff through your YouTube careers is a damning, a damning thing to do. So uh, thanks for having the courage and, and taking the risk. And, you know, we, we appreciate that very much. Um, we are going to head over to the after show. Um, and if you're interested in more content that comes from us and J pink actually had a very uh, interesting statistic for us here. And the statistic is, let me scroll up here. Oh, J Pink, do you have it on hand? Because I am I'm scrolling and trying to read at the same time, and I'm not doing a very good job of it. Yeah, so I based it off of running times from Burn and Return. In nine sure. episodes of Burn and Return, we have generated 29 hours, 31 minutes, and 25 seconds of content. So you're talking Jeez. a 12-hour movie each month at a minimum <laughs> for whatever here you join and that's only burn and return that doesn't even include so, thirsty thursday for the for the price of a beer you get that much additional content and a lot of that does not make it onto the air because uh you know it can uh you know it's, it's for it's for the people it's, it's for the people that support us we want to support them and uh and you know if they if they want to hear us talk then damn it we're going to talk and we're going to talk about things that people want to hear us talk about if that interests you you can head over to Burn and Return. I'm sorry, Patreon.com forward slash Burn and Return, and uh, and you can check out the show after the show. The way that works is that there will be a link for 10 minutes and 10 minutes alone, and after that 10 minutes, you will never be able to see it again. I'll never be able to see it again. It gets deleted. It's gone. It's into the atmosphere, into into Giga Space. Maybe in the metaverse one day we'll find it again, uh, but we are not there yet. Therefore, we will not see it. Um, or you can become a channel subscriber, uh, a, a channel member here as well. Um, however, let's not support Google. Let's let's support independent creators. Head to patreon.com forward slash burn and return. Uh, and also, when we re re reach 69 patrons, we're going to start doing a movie night. Because for those of you that know oh, me boy. personally, know I do not watch movies. And so this will be me having to become a normal member of society. And I'm not going to lie. I absolutely dread it because I hate movies. And uh, But it's okay. You know what? I do it for the patrons and uh, and for no other reason whatsoever. We're going to head on over to the after show. If you are not a fan of adult talk, uh, adult humor, uh, bad words, uh, controversial topics, it's probably not for you. And that is perfectly okay. That is perfectly okay. If you're into that and you do want to want more content from us, then feel free. Head over. We'll be over there. We'll be checking out some fun things, having some laughs and uh, having a good time with it. We'll catch you all on the live recording yeah. on Thursdays. Burn and return. Zapow. Zapal. <laughs> Zapal. <laughs>